0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another rip-roaring episode. Rip-roaring? Jesus Christ, Paul. That's not a that's not a thing. It's not the 50s. Anyway, welcome to another episode of The Doctor Is In. I am your host, Paul Verhoeven. Rip-roaring or not, it's a heck of an episode, and it's almost the end of the season. Um, I'm sure you're confused and as, frankly, overwhelmed as I am. How is the season almost over, folks? Didn't we just start out with Jodie's Doctor and Yaz and Graham and Ryan? Well, if you're feeling as jittery, ...and thrown off as I am, fear not, because I have a very big guest lined up this week to help calm you down. Now, the seventh Doctor's companion, Ace, ranks up there with the best from the show's history... ...and is the only companion to ever destroy a Dalek with a goddamn baseball bat. So, Sophie Aldred, who played Ace, is on the show. But Before we chat to Sophie, whose news is it anyway? First up, we have some New Year's special news. New news, new news... News. I'm extremely thirsty and I think I'm hallucinating, but that's not what this show's about, so I'm just gonna have to suck it up and get on with it. Now, as we all know, there's to be no Christmas special of Doctor Who Children. You'll be stuck with Love Actually reruns on the telly, I'm afraid. But there's a New Year's special instead. Now, details are scarce, by which I mean they're non-existent, but the first official image for the New Year's episode has been released and it features Jodie's th- We're on a first name basis, okay? It features Jodie's 13th Doctor standing there wearing a rather fetching rainbow scarf with fireworks going off in the background. What can we glean from this image? Literally nothing. It's New Year's Eve, so there's fireworks and she's wearing a scarf, so... I don't know, maybe it's cold? Look, I will say this, though. I do like me a rainbow scarf. <laughs> Next up, finale news. Now, next week sees the finale of this surprisingly, as we've established, short season of Doctor Who. The final episode is called "The Battle of Ransko Av Colos." I wish I'd practiced the pronunciation before I read that. I think I did pretty well. And the episode is written by uh, Chris Chibnall and it's directed by Jamie Childs, who directed the pretty solid episode. It uh, takes you away, um, the one on the fjord. So, fingers crossed. My question is this: What? are your honest thoughts on this season now that it's all about to disappear into the ether I don't often do call outs on The Doctor is In but with a finale leaping on top of us way sooner than I expected I would love to hear what you the listeners think of the first season of this new run at Doctor Who and now as I said before a very very big treat for you I'm going to chat with Sophie Aldred aka Ace the 7th Doctor's Companion and I'm going to say it on the show my favourite companion from all of Doctor Who (coughs) I mean I've got some questions lined up but the first question is maybe the dumbest do you still have the jacket
1: I certainly do still have the jacket oh. it's one of my most prized possessions it sits in my wardrobe and um occasionally I go and stroke it or um <laughs> have a look at it and very occasionally some people sometimes ask me yeah. would I mind taking it to some event you know or something and no, and I, I suppose that the the most tricky thing of course is that it's actually probably quite valuable so right. um, worrying about whether it's going to get uh, spoiled but yes I do have the jacket I'm not at all sure though whether I still have the exact right configuration of of badges on it so that's the only thing because of course um, the fans know much better than I do what I was wearing when um, but anyway I still got I've still got all the ones that I
0: had on yeah. it. Well, you mentioned that you've got it in the wardrobe. Why? I mean, see, I was picturing it in sort of like a bat cave thing where there's just a big metal cylinder you press <laughs> a button and there's a hiss and it's just, it's dramatically lit just next to the baseball bat, you know? <laughs>
1: Yeah that's exactly what it's like in my house yeah, yeah
0: definitely just, yeah. yeah just yeah just some sneaky hydraulics in the corner and some dramatic lighting um
1: exactly well
0: that's very that's very comforting well let, let's wind back to the start real quick how did you manage to land the role of ace like how does somebody become a companion on on doctor who
1: Oh my goodness! Well, I, I don't know that the normal thing to do would be to probably have a screen test and uh, and you meet the juicer many times and all that. but it was extraordinary because i was I was in a production of Fiddler on the Roof, um, if you know that musical, with Topol up in Manchester. Oh. I was doing I was just in the back row of the chorus um, and my agent put me up for uh, three episodes of Doctor Who. Sure. And it was the first TV I'd ever been up for. You know, I, I'd never even been in a TV studio. So um, I went down to London. I begrudged paying this train fare because it was peak peak time and, and and I had to go in the morning because I had to be back in time for the performance that evening so it's very expensive yeah. um, went to see the um, went to see the director um, I was I did this sort of um, I did a little piece from Daisy Pulls It Off a play, wonderful play called Daisy Pulls It Off mm. um, and then had a chat with the director and in this kind of office room full of chairs and I was, in, I was probably in there about 20 minutes, then went back on the train, thought, huh oh, that was a waste of money. And then a little while later, I got a call to say that I had a recall. Yeah. So again, I had to pay another <laughs> blimmin' train fare, um, went down on the train. And, and this time um, I had a piece to read, which turned out to be Ace's kind of almost like monologue from... Dragonfire, where she turns to um, to Mel and Ace says, "You know, she. I wondered who my parents really were. You know, I looked up through a gap in the clouds, and I don't know. There was something about this piece that I thought, oh, I, I felt just some that I could do it justice, really. Yeah. Anyway, so um, went in, read this to John Nathan Turner, the producer. Mm. Um, and, um, and he gave me a couple of notes and then I read it again and that was it. And I thought, oh, it was like, I was literally in there 10 minutes. And then, um, two weeks later, um, I got to the theatre and there were messages for me all over the bored because of course this was way before the days when I had a mobile and I didn't even have a phone in the flat that I was staying in and my agent had been trying to get in touch with me all day so um I went on stage because it was it was already time to do that so I went and did went did tradition in my kind of peasant's rags and um came off and thought right I've got a bit of a gap now before the gossip scene so I'll phone my agent took my pile of 10 peas back Stage to the phone box and phoned her and she said she was a bit cross with me actually she said I've been trying to get in touch with you all day where have you been I said oh I've just been out and about you know she said you've got the part she said quite angrily but it's more but it's more complicated than that I'll have to call you back so she called me back she says um they would like to know if you would be interested in um, taking up the part of the assistant, of Doctor Who's assistant. And I kind of looked down at myself wearing these rags um, on the equity minimum for being in the back row of the chorus in Fiddler on the Roof. And I thought to myself, you bet I would. (laughs) So... And then it was even more strange because I put the phone down, sort of slightly reeling, right, what is going on? Yeah. And the first person who I saw when I came out of the phone box was a guy called John Scott Martin, who um, we, we were sort of having a laugh with him actually in the cast because he was playing our rabbi, but somebody found out that he played Daleks and uh, he was the insides of various monsters oh, over the years. Right. And uh, things like Zarbies, I think he'd been a Zarbis. And I said to him, slightly stunned, John, I got the part. And he reached into his rabbi costume and pulled out a BBC publicity photo of three Daleks. And he handed it to me and he said, I had a good feeling about this audition. Mm. And I turned it over and it said, dear Sophie, welcome to the family. You will not be exterminated.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs) Do you still have it?
1: Isn't that great? Yep. Oh, yep. Christ. And uh, and then it was really funny because then we had the next scene was the gossip scene. And of course, word <laughs> had spread round backstage and this, by this, this time. There's real so, gossip at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone was kind of, uh, we came running on stage. Everyone's going, have he you heard, have he you heard Sophie's got the part in Doctor Who and sort of slapping me on the back and all that. Anyway, then what usually happened was that Topple came on. The opposite side of the stage, walk down stage, had a conversation with whoever it was, and uh, and uh, um, and the the scene was all about we got a new sewing machine in the village or something like that. Anyway, Topol comes on, walks down stage, pauses, looks over towards where the chorus are standing, walks slowly across towards towards the chorus, finds me, throws throws his arms around me, says congratulations Sophie in that brilliant voice he has and then walked back and carried on with the show (laughs) (laughs) and what the audience must have thought, I really don't know.
0: Well, that seems bloody unprofessional. Honestly.
1: Well, yes. I don't know. I mean, I think it was just so extraordinary yeah, that this yeah. had happened, you know? Um, anyway, so that was that was, that was was how I got the part, which oh. is rather
0: wonderful. My God, Sophie. You know what I love about the story is that you still sound bent out of shape about the trade phase.
1: <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's, it was so exciting, you
0: yeah, know? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's insane. Okay, so you've got the part. I mean, we're we're flashing back now. I mean, you've, you've obviously already done this bit of your life, but you've got the part. One thing I've always been curious about is to what degree do you get to inject yourself into the DNA of your character? Like, how much of you was in Ace, and did you try and steer her trajectory as the show went on, or were you just on for the ride? Do
1: you know, that's a really good question. I mean, initially, uh, when I read the part of Ace, I, I kind—I really liked her character. I thought, this is a really well-rounded character, well-written. Um, I mean, very different from my own personality, Um similar as well I mean I I was a tomboy Um, I learnt to play football rather than ballet and things like that Mm. I was not a girly girl at all Um, so and and the costume was very much my own idea so um, i used to wear stuff i didn't wear a jacket like that but i did some research on cool girls because of course i was playing i was playing 16 but i was actually 24 at the time so sure. i was sort of looking at pop culture of the time and what what very cool girls were wearing which is a jump because um, you just
0: come off peasant garb obviously that's quite the leap
1: that's right absolutely <laughs> it was a bit different yeah um yeah so uh, that was, I had a lot of input into the costume, but I, as for the character, she was written like that from the word go. And um, and I think the writers just really enjoyed writing for this feisty, realistic character, you know, because if you look back at that time, 19, where are we? Uh, 1987. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there wasn't really an equivalent young girl on TV like this. They're, they're, because now they're kind of ten a penny, you know, thank God. you know, We see very strong female, young female role models. I don't know what it's like in Australia, obviously, but, but over here, um, it's not that unusual. Whereas in those days, girls were, well, obviously in Doctor Who, they were there to say, where are we going doctor? What are we doing doctor? You know and then and then falling over and twisting their ankles and screaming and running away from monsters. <laughs> um but you know Ace was a whole new character and I I I loved I loved that. But then it's funny because funny now because I wonder, it's, it's almost impossible to say, having played a character for 30 years as I have, yeah. how much of me is now informed by that sort of feistiness and the self-confidence and, uh, and all that. So, yeah, very interesting question, that. But the the writers just, just wrote me great stuff and I I lapped it up.
0: Do you think they, um, I mean, because the, the late 80s in England were, to put it very mildly, a little bit contentious and, you know, there was a lot going on. What do you think Ace represented? Like, do you think she was a response to, you know, some of the upheaval going on at the time?
1: I think possibly, yes. I mean, she was very, she was based on, an amalgamation of three real girls, which Ian Briggs, who was the writer of Dragonfire, mm. had worked with in a youth theatre group, at, um in Ealing at a place called Questers, which mm. is uh, a wonderful, uh, a wonderful amateur uh, drama uh, place. And so he actually knew these girls. They sure enough, they came from Perivale, Um, they they had a lot of aces um, characteristics. And what struck him about them was that they were very feisty, knew their own minds. Um, And yes, I think because, of course, it was the days of Thatcher, there was a lot of unemployment, there was uh, just been the miners' strikes. It was was a a time of upheaval, whilst on the other side of things, uh, it was a lot of um, kind of upwardly mobile yuppies, um, a lot of money around and a lot of lack of money around. So right. there was a massive discrepancy in those who have and those who have not. So I think I think she did really reflect that sort of um, unrest of the time in a way.
0: Obviously, Ace had a fairly dense arc on the show, but there have been... Endless ruminations on what would have happened had the show continued. Specifically, plans for Ace. I'm curious as to how many of them are rumours, how many are apocryphal, how many were ideas brewing inside the minds of you know Cartmel, or how many were being you know riffed on by Sylvester. What's what's the truth of where Ace would have ended up uh, on the TV show? That is,
1: yeah, that's a good question. Um they really had just very slightly formed this idea. I mean, Sylvester's idea was that um, Ace was a bit like uh, the Doctor's, I don't know, pupil in a way, that he was mentoring her and that he was travelling around the universe, showing her her fears, kind of um, maturing her. And so the, the kind of ultimate plan of that one of the ideas was that she was actually going to end up on Gallifrey and um, become not not that she could become a full Time Lord because she couldn't regenerate and so on or maybe could she I don't know maybe they could make her do that somehow but anyway that she was going to really go and put the wind up the Time Lords on Gallifrey um, so that was one of the ideas and actually um, Ben Aronovich and um, Andrew Cartmel who were were very good mates well they still are actually um they they would kind of get together and talk about future plans but i don't think anything had actually been carved out in stone they had a chance on the big finish audios to kind of um uh to play with that and there's a couple of stories which we did um one called earth aid in particular i remember where um, where those ideas were kind of carved out a little bit, um, but according to Andrew, they were only very vague plans. Um, but I, I quite like that. I think that's pretty cool that she was going to be going to Gallifrey.
0: I think it's insane. It, it does sound a little bit like you know um, Martian Pygmalion, you know, just like a My Fair Lady situation. of <laughs> you sort of
1: absolutely <laughs> heading to Gallifrey yeah, and, and getting
0: and- to Portman and whatnot, you know.
1: Yeah, and I think it's interesting, isn't it? That also came out in the story Ghostlight, where Mm. um, there was definitely that Pygmalion element where... Um, for those of you who've, who've watched it, was, uh, there was a, a character called Control and she was becoming more ladylike. You know, she was this kind of weird alien creature mm-hmm. who was transforming into a sort of a lady. That's what she wanted to be. And then, of course, you have that in parallel with Ace. Um, you know, she eventually ends up in a nice dress for the first time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, So, yeah, that, there's definitely an element of Pygmalion there.
0: You mentioned Big Finish before. I mean, I've I've sunk so much time into the Big Finish audio dramas, but like how the hell does someone get back into character after taking that long a break? How do you, I know you've still got the jacket. I'm sure you kind of absorbed some residual, you know, mojo from that, but how do you step back into the skin of someone that you've played, you know, decades ago do
1: you know what it's very much like any part as an actor that you approach the script and it's all there in the writing so there's there's several different versions of ace now you know there's the ace the young ace who was uh, chucking nitro 9 around and shouting wicked there's the ace who has traveled with hex the um, big Finnish companion mm. and um, and had be- has been a bit of a mentor for him um there's this sort of battle weary ace um who's occasionally comes in who who's more from the new adventures um virgin virgin books but it all comes from the script i have to say and um yeah i mean for me it's it's just like any other character i've i've played it's like it's almost a kind of a Comfortable. Well, it's like putting on the jacket, really. Um, it feels just very natural to do it. I don't really have to think about it too much, luckily. Um, it's just somehow there. And I think also, don't forget that we have not stopped playing these characters because once we'd finished the TV series in 1989... Mm. There was um, a fan called Bill Bags, who was a professional as well. He was he was working, I think, for the BBC at the time, and he just approached Sylvester and me and said, "Would we be interested in doing some, some spin off audio adventures?" Mm. Um, and they became um, that was the Professor and Ace. Um, so we started we started doing stories with him before Big Finish was formed. Right. Um, and we had people writing for us, like um, somebody called Mark Gatiss, for example, Jesus and um, yeah, and 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 Rob Shearman, and people like that, people who have become the professionals now, who were fans then, who just loved, wanted to write Doctor Who because they loved the show so much. So um, we started doing those, and then um, Bill got his knuckles wrapped by the BBC because of course he hadn't got the license right. and the pro- the professor ace was really very near <laughs> the doctor ace yeah. Yeah. so um and that's when jason hay gallery another fan um with a love of um and he's businessman his his very very talented guy and he went to the BBC and said please could i have the license and because nobody else had it at the time they just went yep yeah, okay and that's that was the beginning of Big Finish. And so we never really stopped. Um, so that helps. And also, I don't know, there's something about whenever I'm standing in a recording booth with Sylvester McCoy, I don't know, it just all comes back. You know, It's it's all there.
0: You know what the best part of this is? You sound genuinely like you're a fan of the character. You sound like you're a fan of Ace and you're a fan of the Doctor. And that doesn't happen very often. Do you... Like, what does it feel like to have a character so influential and like have that much? Is the legacy intimidating or is it freeing? Like, what's it like to have Ace floating around you every day?
1: Oh, it's it's very freeing. Um, for example, I'm I'm the kind of person, me, uh, Sophie, who. Um, I don't know, I like everybody to get on with each other. I don't argue very much. I don't get angry a lot. I'm quite a calm person sure. um i'm I'm patient so I'm sure that's partly to do with the fact that every once in a while I manage to go to Big Finish and shout a lot and get it all out of me as Ace. Um, <laughs> I've, I've, got a, I've got a huge fondness for the character of Ace. I think she was a brilliant um, creation and a, and a, by um, Ian Briggs and Andrew Cartmell, and I'm very proud of her. And also by the people who kind of come up to me and say to me over and over again, Ace really helped me when I was going through a bad time or, you know, I was being bullied at school and then I thought, what would Ace do? I mean, that happens really frequently, which is fantastic for me because i just think wow i've played a part i love and i've made a difference to people's lives as well what what more could i want
0: you know it occurred to me to maybe come up with some sort of quip you know to finish on some sort of joke some light note but honestly like think i think profundity is probably a pretty good pretty good note to finish on so um Uh. but really thank you so much for for chatting sophie it's been an absolute pleasure and you know uh, i think it was worth the the email, the email chain and the music. Yeah, calls. Worth,
1: all the t- worth the uh, time space continuum, definitely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I mean, enjoy the rest of your day and thank you so much for chatting to me.
1: Oh, it's such a pleasure, Paul. I'm really glad I was able to uh, manage to speak to you at last.
0: Oh, what a bloody treat. Thank you so much, Sophie.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Time now for companion piece. Now, I feel like it would be a bit weird to do companion piece, which is our regular segment on The Doctor Is In, all about iconic Doctor Who companions the way we normally do it on the show because, I mean, we just chatted with the wonderful Sophie who played Ace and um, I figured we ought to delve into some of Ace's accomplishments as a companion. Now, when the Doctor first encounters Ace... She's a 16-year-old girl working as a waitress on the planet Svartos. Now, she'd had this really troubled upbringing on Earth. She she routinely blew stuff up, okay? It's not a big deal. And she blew it up on the grounds that she was making artistic statements. You know, that old chestnut. And she was actually whisked away to Svartos after doing these dodgy chemistry experiments in her room. And she got swept there by a freak time storm. So, right off the bat, no pun intended, or if you enjoyed it, yeah, that was absolutely deliberate of me. She's very clever, she's anarchistic, she's rebellious, and she's extremely adaptable. So she's kind of the perfect mix of traits for traveling with the Doctor, especially the seventh Doctor, who might present himself as a small, funny man with no discernible bite, but who in reality was actually a master manipulator. Now, Ace takes to calling him Professor, which is something Bill Potts would later do as well. And the two of them develop this really fiercely loyal relationship uh, towards each other. But to my previous point, manipulation. It's very important because the Seventh Doctor is my favorite doctor because he's got a touch of Le Carré's George Smiley about him. You know, he, he treats people like chess pieces. Imagine him as Winston Churchill looming over this green felt table, you know, in a bunker somewhere with one of those, you know, those sticks, you know, the long sticks with the, you know, sliding the miniatures around. You you get the image. Anyway, he does this with people. He treats them like little miniatures on a war room table. He does this with Ace, too, which actually becomes a point of contention between them. Regardless of this, uh, they end up fighting Daleks together. They fight Cybermen. You name it. Now, Ace gradually stops being this scared young woman who's putting on a tough front and actually becomes a tough, strong, at times terrifying woman in her own right. Now, eventually... Ace and the Doctor come across a cosmic baddie called Fenric, but the less said about Fenric, the better. By which I mean, honestly, I'm just trying to say the whole Fenric thing is really great, Who? and I don't want to blow the specifics for you, because I urge you to go back and watch The Seventh Doctor's run with Ace. Now, Ace's role in the big Finnish audio dramas is kind of spectacular too. She gets swept up in her biggest adventures yet, and interestingly, she ends up having to deal with PTSD, the likes of which we don't really see in Doctor Who, and we certainly don't see very much from The Companions. Now, part of the reason I loved Ace growing up wasn't just the leather jacket and the baseball bat, though they they certainly helped. It was the fact that she was relatable, you know, and she felt real, unlike many companions before her, who were lovely, but they just felt, you know, just a little bit, what's the word, a little bit too light. And she also felt relevant, because the 80s in England were, as we've established, messy and they were filthy and they were complex, and Ace perfectly reflected that. She helped make Who relevant again. (coughs) Now, unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this week's episode of The Doctor Is In. Just a reminder, if you want to hear one of the interviews with our past guests, and holy crap, there have been some amazing guests on this show, uh, head across to the uh and you can actually see this beautiful grid of all the wonderful guests we've had. I spent quite a while on it, and I'm quite proud of it. Or, uh, obviously, if, you, if you're listening on iTunes... Um, or wherever you listen to podcasts you can obviously go back and listen to old episodes and while you're on itunes please head across to the store and if you enjoy the show um, tell people about it tell people about the doctor is in uh make sure you've subscribed leave a review and leave a star rating because you know it's pay it forward basically um and obviously next week is the final episode of doctor who for the season but don't worry because i will be doing a special episode for the new year's eve uh, episode and obviously i will be recording it on new year's eve so it's gonna get a bit loose that's all the time for this week's episode but i will see you next week for more of the doctor is in bye <laughs>